Hello, Bermuda. Welcome to Best Health, presented by the Royal Gazette and RG Megs. This is your go-to health podcast, connecting you with Bermuda's finest in health and wellness. A big shout out to our sponsor for this episode, the Lindos Group of Companies. Why go anyplace else? Now let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode of the Best Health Podcast. I'm your host, Carrie Astwood of Carrie Lee Fitness, and with us today is Chardonnay Rollins, the driving force behind Simply Bloom, which is a Bermuda-based mental health consultancy organization. Hi, Chardonnay. It's nice to have you here today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, Why don't we start the conversation off by telling us a little bit more about your background Mm -hmm. and your work in mental health and... Anything else you want to share about us? Any fun facts? (laughs) It's always so funny having to talk about yourself. It's like, well, what my resume? But um, so my area of expertise is child and adolescent mental health. Um, My undergrad is in psychology with honors. And then my master's is in child and adolescent mental health from University College London. Um, I chose to do that specialty area because I think that oftentimes we don't see the big things that our children are going through and you know and going to BHS the girls were going through a lot in my year group right and they didn't always have a trusted adult to talk to about certain things and I realized how important it is to have that from a young age so I wanted to kind of be like a a driving force or a trusted space for kids to come to to talk about their difficulties that they're going to if they can't articulate it to their parents or their loved ones and to provide them with effective coping mechanisms to navigate right um I'm not PhD level yet I don't have my doctorate yet so I'm just counselor level and counseling is like sort of like a short-term thing right where you come in you talk about what's bothering you and you work through the problems and then I'm supposed to leave you with tools so that's what I I try to do with my kids and educate the parents along the way so they have a stronger family unit right absolutely I was gonna say it's um I'm a parent myself Mm -hmm. and uh you know seeing other parents I think you know you can almost forget what the experience is of like being a child Mm -hmm. you know it's like you may think like oh they just need this or they need that but you really don't understand like what your child might actually be going through right so and we tend like you said we tend to forget and then it's much different now right so these kids are going through so much they're exposed to so much more I'm born in the 90s, so I was kind of like the starting group when it comes to, like, the Facebook and the Instagram and Snapchat and things like that. I remember when Instagram came out. Um, but it's changed so much, and I guess we'll take a deep dive into that and I'll convey. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that's so important, and it leads us right into our topic for today, which mm-hmm. is going to be, you know, social media and its impact on on mental mm-hmm. health. Um, and, and I think you nailed it because you just said, you know, it's like, we, we don't really know what the kids nowadays nope. are going through. So I almost retract what I said at the beginning where we forget about the experience. And I'm sure there's some things that are similar, but but really we don't know what it's like to be a 13-year-old in this Mm-mm. society, right? It was very different. We didn't know? have it, especially girls, right? Yeah. We tend to internalize what we go through, which means you do more things like it's more emotional driven. So like depression, anxiety, self-harm and things like that, right? Yeah. These girls are exposed to so much, rather be hypersexual behavior because of the Instagram models and, you know, families like the Kardashians that everyone looks yes. up and emulates, right? Yep. Um, their bodies, they can become insecure about what they look like because they're not looking exactly what it lo- what uh, someone on social media portrays themselves to be. And, you know, there's a theory from Erickson, and it's a social comparison theory. And that was in 1954 when he came up with it, right? He's a psychologist. 
And he pretty much says that we have a primitive drive to already compare ourselves to others, but social media has heightened that, right? So if you think about what our kids are exposing themselves to, they start to compare themselves younger and younger. And that's why we're seeing more self-esteem issues in primary school-age children, right? You have parental controls and stuff like that, but then... Children can get find a way to get around it, right? Yeah, they're smart. Exactly. They're yeah. very smart. I mean, smart. we were smart when we were young, this right? Like is they're going to find a way. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, your kids are susceptible to so much. And without things like, you know, proper attachment or proper secure base and, you know, filling their cup up intentionally to make sure that they are who they are, it, it, it makes it, you know, less likely of the chance of them falling through the cracks. But then you don't know, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think you nailed it there. It's... I, I'm thankful mm-hmm. I didn't have social media when I was young. There's a lot of things that I'm really happy, you know, mm-hmm. during my teenage years in college that aren't aren't out there floating around on the internet, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, you look back, you're like, whoo, I kind of um, got saved by that, yeah. right? Um, so, like, speaking of social media, mm-hmm. um, so how has the rise of social media platforms, you know, Instagram, TikTok, all of that, I guess Snapchat, mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not that cool with all the <laughs> stuff the kids are doing, but how has it changed the way we interact with each other and like consume information. So I would say when it comes to social media, there's a thing called digital influence, right? So there is a triangle that creators and like how we get the algorithm and things like that, they go for. So it's reach, how many people you can reach, how big is your audience. Then there's relevance and so making sure that the information you're posting is relevant to your target audience. And then resonance, making sure that it resonates with them and it, it, it uh, um, it's kind of palatable to oops, to other um, to other people as well, right? So that's something that they a blueprint what they do to try to garner more attention, right? Yep. But then that also creates communities. So if you're someone that's into like health and fitness like yourself, yep. you're going to be more lured into those types of things on social media. Next thing you know, you're down the rabbit hole and you've followed like 10 different accounts and different social media influencers to do health and wellness. And that's how you get the connection, right? And because you're building your base. But then also you can connect to people you don't know. So there's a dark side of it, like the online grooming and things like that. It kind of depends on how the person wants to use it, right? Absolutely. So are you going to be intentional with your use or are you going to be more passive, right? So that's t- different types of um, screen time. So passive is like you're just doing it for entertainment purposes or you're going to be intentional in what you're following, what you're liking, what you're posting. Now, with all that being said, social media and Technology is great because it allows us to connect to people from across the world. And as humans, we're very social beings, right? Socialization is a key part of who we are, and it's a key part of our development and maintaining good mental health. So if when I'm in university, well, when I was in university, I was able to FaceTime my parents, my family, my boyfriend, things like that, because I, I had the easy access, right? Even though we're in two different, you know, countries. So it does help in that regard. And it helps, you know, uh, some people that have, like, self-esteem issues or suffer from anxiety like social anxiety in particular they are more prone to be making friends online because it makes them it, it fills that void in a way that works for them where they don't have to go out in public so there's pros and cons of everything absolutely mm-hmm. um you know you spoke about being you know the difference between going on and i guess just being passive on mm-hmm. social media you know i'm sure we have all doom scrolled before or whatever they call Every it you all know, the time. Just, tiktok yeah. takes me in a rabbit hole oh my gosh i know all the time <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's so true. I said, I think I said it in one of my previous podcasts. I ended up on like capybara TikTok. Like I'm learning yeah. all about capybaras. I think they're so cute. Like, I want one. So, I know. 
So I you did there too? Yeah. And I knew the copy. Yep, yep. I've definitely been there. I had the conversation maybe two days ago with my friend. And because of TikTok, I now want a baby Highland call. And I can't be <laughs> yes, Barbara. I've been seeing those too. And I'm adamant about having a call. So I get it. I really do get it. <laughs> I love it. Um, so, you know, with that being said, like what are what are the positive aspects of social media? Like if someone was to be intentional with mm-hmm. it. Um, and I know you mentioned like connection overseas, mm-hmm. like, you know, being able to connect with your loved ones. Um, what are the positive aspects for your mental well being? So like, support. Yeah. Um, platforms like myself, like yours, are like you may very wellness, Sainu in Bermuda, Bermudian ones. I'll have yes. to put the plugs in fast. Of course. And then like, you know, overseas like Headspace and bigger platforms like that. Yeah. So you get the support, you get the psychoeducation, um, you get a further understanding of what you might be going through, yeah. whether it be from parenting, mental health, whether it be, you know, dealing with um, teenagers, because everyone struggles with this. <laughs> um, oh, absolutely. Definitely. Um, the education component, not just to do with, like, your own mental well-being, but also, like, the news, right? Yeah. So if you think about it, back in, like, my parents' day, you had, like, what, three ch- TV channels? Yes. And <laughs> news came on at the same time, like, clockwork, where you had to resort to, like, newspaper articles, right? Yeah. So now you have things like CNN, Bar News, TNN, you know, things like that, where you're able to have access to without sitting on in front of a TV, right? So they're, they're appealing more to how the generations are, are going, and you're learning in those things. Yeah. Um, that regard, sorry. Yeah. It's great for awareness. Absolutely. So you can make awareness about different causes. There's a whole thing with the whole un- unfortunate devastation of genocide to do yeah. with Israel and Palestine as well as in Sudan. So um, you get the awareness of that to spread the information. It's also empowering because you have a freedom of speech. So although we have it on a day-to-day basis, but you, some people have to kind of contain themselves and their thoughts. But you can go on your Twitter or your, what's it called, the Instagram notes or something. Oh, um, Instagram threads? Yes, that. And it's X now, right? We're not oh. Twitter anymore. Well, Apparently I still call it's it Twitter. I, I, can't, so I, I can't that, that. So, <laughs> I can't keep up. You can go on Twitter and say your thoughts, your opinions in an open forum where you're not going to be judged by others. I mean, you might get some hand- healthy banter and debates and things like that, but it allows for those things. And these are the things that we we want as as humans we want to connect we want to have support we need the education because knowledge is power awareness of different causes you know that fills us up a part of our cup right and then the empowerment piece which is the freedom of speech absolutely and ability to be yourself in an open forum absolutely Mm -hmm. you know and then really i guess i'm speaking from personal experience you know the more i've been able to uh, say speak without you know, trying to fit into a box, like, exactly. you know, that free speech, um, I've actually in turn built an even better community. So I've attracted, you know, my tribe, I yes, guess you, say, you have to right? be yourself, and, right? Yeah. So I would say like for me, when I started Simply Bloom, I was so nervous about making sure that my content fits into that niche. And I'm like, why don't I create my own niche? Why don't I be myself and put my own twist to it and, and just show up as authentic as myself? And the followers have been getting up and, you know, growing and things like that. And you have to do what makes you feel comfortable and don't confine yourself to what someone else is doing because that's their thing, right? We all have our own gifts, our own talents, our own education on our various, you know, um, career choices. So let that shine. You know, we can all be mental health counselors or, you know, health and nutrition coaches and things like that, but we have different approaches to it. So it's a sense of individuality is going to make you stand out more in comparison to trying to follow the flock. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, and uh, what comes to mind when I think of that, it's like, you know, it's wonderful to be able to put yourself out there. But with that, you know, can come the Internet trolls, especially on TikTok. I have been 
it doesn't matter what I post. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, you get you get some really, really awful comments. But people um, like that, they thrive on it, right? Yeah. And it makes you feel bad, and it opens up the Pandora's box to things like cyberbullying, because that is a form of cyberbullying. Exactly. But it speaks more to their character than yours. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And as adults, we can look at it that way, but it impacts our little people a little bit differently. Right, which is what I wanted to ask. Like, I mean, for me, I... I know enough. I've done enough work mm-hmm. on myself that I can kind of roll off. I just mm-hmm. block. I'm like, I, I'm not going to waste my energy responding yeah. to this right now. You know, it's like, um, it's like if you want to put butter in your coffee, go ahead. Exactly. You know, I'm telling you, you don't have to. But uh, um, when it comes to cyberbullying, you know, especially with the youth, um, what can be done to address that? Like, how how can kids be set up to to navigate that? Like, to be prepared for it? Like, I mean, I think it kind of just it. it it's happening all over the place. And, like, how do you even control that? You can't. Right? Um, Once you open up Pandora's box of social media and technology, you become one of many. And one of many means that you can fall into being attacked by internet trolls or have someone create a fake account about you, you know, the cyberbullying and and online grooming. You're opening up the Pandora's box. The most that you can do is prepare a child provide lots of education on how to be safe online, use smart technology rules, but also keep it in mind that, you know, children tend to follow what their friends are doing, right? So it's teaching them how to have a healthy relationship with technology while still incorporating screen time balance and things like that. Tell them about the controls, telling them about, you know, what you can feel susceptible to, but also on the flip of the coin, if your child has been exposed to bullying, online you can build digital resilience because it's a real life experience so instead of taking that pain and and wallowing and it turning into power say like i'm stronger because of it right teach them that like you know it's going to be okay it's okay to not be okay but what can we do differently what can we do better you know absolutely um block them obviously unplug for a while when need be um you know even deleting your account and making a whole new one and only accepting people that you know that are close and in your circle for me I feel like when I become a parent, my kids might hate me because I'm not probably going to allow you to have social media to about 15, 16, where I know that you can use a device in a sensible manner, you know, because we see eight, nine-year-olds on Snapchat and things like that, and I'm like, you don't know what you're doing on there. You don't know what Snapchat's for. You don't understand. Yes, they might have different games like that to appeal to young people, but then you have different older people, like, that are just preying on these young kids, right? Absolutely. So it's about having those real conversations with the children in an age-appropriate way to show that there are pros and cons when it comes to it. And if you do fall susceptible to cyberbullying, I'm here, I'm in your corner, I can put you with a counselor if need be, I'm going to make sure that you're still doing the things that you love and that you enjoy to fill your cup up. You know, it's a learning experience. We're not going to let this just knock us down. We're going to come out on the end stronger and more resilient, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, it just sounds like it's, again, like you can't, you can't prevent them from doing this, right? Like you can't keep your child in a bubble their whole life, Mm -hmm. you know, as soon as they come out, like they're out in that big bad world and you're better off teaching them the tools on how to cope with it, right? Instead of, you know, hiding it, like saying like, hey, this is something you're probably going to come across because some people are just unhappy and doing those things you open up greater lines of communication with your kids especially for teens a lot of parents feel that they can't connect if a teenager i'm like well because you only ask them how school realistically they don't really care about how school they is right now it's more about their yeah. friends and that's a normal part of adolescence development where they're seeking the the social um rewards and you know status from being a friend 
So ask about their friends. Ask what they're interested in. If you don't understand what Roblox is, ask them to teach you. Play together. Play Minecraft, Call of Duty, whatever they're interested in. Get into their world, right? And that's going to make it easier. So if your child does encounter a negative online experience, they're more likely to come and talk to you because you feel like they feel like they understand, uh, they're understood by you, right? Now I'm not saying a no way to go in and you know, be more permissive and just be their friend, right? Yeah. But you have to have boundaries and create those healthy boundaries with your kids. If you think that your child's spending too much time online and you notice signs of them being more reclusive and to themselves and, you know, rooms getting dirty and things like that, ask them what's going on and then put parameters. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I was just going to ask if there was any, like, specific... Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. I think this is perfect. You led right into it. If there was any specific signs or like red flags for someone for a child mm-hmm. um that might be experiencing like negative mental health effects from Definitely. social media use i guess like you said like being yeah. reclusive or change in behavior if you used to having an outgoing child and they're more like snappy and emotional talk about what's going on okay are you more secretive and protective what's going on in your phone because a lot of kids when they're being bullied they don't want their parents to know so they might not be on their phones as much around their parents right um like I said, secluding themselves, spending more time than usual in the room, changes in their sleep. They might be oversleeping or not sleeping at all. Change in appetite, overeating or undereating. Um, a fear of missing out, so constantly having to check their device to see what's going on, right? Because they feel like, well, I'm still being talked about. That rumor at lunchtime is still going on on Snapchat or on Twitter right now. Well, I think these children probably don't use Twitter, but no, uh, no that's that's the older person, definitely. That's the older people platform, right? Um, that's my fave. <laughs> yeah. Feelings of inadequacy um, because of what others are doing, right? So that links back to the social comparison theory. So you might have a child that has high self-esteem, but now they're, you know, they're a little bit older and they see what other people are doing online, that they're starting to compare themselves and not feel good enough. Right. without realizing that people only post their best selves on social media. Like, my personal account, I guarantee you, you're not going to see me looking scruffy. Exactly. It's, like, you're not. Yeah. And and I know that I'm consciously doing that as an adult. I mean, you might see me looking scruffy in the grocery store, but online, I look great. Yeah. And that's, what, that's exactly. how we're going to keep it, right? You want to show your best self. Um, you know, addictions, so where they can't get off their devices, that's a big one as well. And some parents just chop it up to being like, okay, well, um, they just like to be their, their gamer. Okay, yeah, that's fine to be a gamer. I was a gamer as well, but I'm not on my device eight hours a day having to play PlayStation or Grand Theft Auto, whatever the case may be, right? So monitoring those things. Um, might be an increase of risk-taking behaviors, so from them being online. So I done my dissertation for my master's on social media and self-harm, how they're interconnected for adolescents. Based on these studies that I used, I did a systematic literature review, most adolescents only learn about self-harm through social media. Because uh-huh. it's taught as a an, as a coping mechanism to deal with your your life adversities, so you have kids that had no idea about it, but they they want to feel something, right? So they're they're going on, they're looking up different things, and then you have secret hashtags, and it just opens up Pandora's box. Then boom, you have a child that's self harming. What oh do we do gosh, now, yeah. right? Um, loneliness, so feeling lonely. Um, they have a lot of friends, but still not feeling like you know they're a part of that group anymore. Distractions while at school or at work for adults. Um, and then, like I said, the decline in self-esteem. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, you, were, you mentioned the, you know, comparison. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's, like you said, everyone is posting their highlight reels. Exactly. And, I mean, I think we've all fell um, victim to, you know, looking at someone and being like, oh, my gosh, like, they just have it so easy, right? Mm-hmm. But 
you know, the more you start talking with people, you know, I've worked with a lot of people who once upon a time I looked online and thought like everything was perfect. Yeah. And, and you realize that like, we are all human, you mm -hmm. know, all of us have, you know, insecurities and all this. Um, but like, is there a link with children, you know, more so than before? Like you said, we, we I think you said at the beginning mm -hmm. that even before digital age, we have this, um, knack for like comparing yeah with, uh, with others i think how social you comparison, social comparison yeah, yeah. Yes. a primitive drive to compare ourselves to others as it is exactly um and like is there a link between that now especially with the social media and like a rise in like anxiety and depression definitely in children? as well as body dysmorphia yeah. fomo the instant gratification piece that's a big one that's a huge one we fall since i was before it as adults right Absolutely. Where as soon as we got a notification, we feel good because that dopamine loops come on. As soon as your boyfriend or your girlfriend, your husband, your wife messages you, you're like, oh, honey's thinking of me. That's so great. Like, you automatically feel great. But that's teaching you to become more addicted to your devices, right? Where you're Absolutely. more inclined to to be there. I might be too early for me a question. I'm sorry. No, I think that's so, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we do have that to want to compare ourselves um, to others, mm -hmm. to, you know, compare ourselves to people that are doing quote-unquote worse than us to make us feel better as well. I never thought about it that way, but mm -hmm. that's so true. You're probably looking out to see, like, that yeah. percent. Not, not you, but you know what I exactly, mean? Like, yeah. people out there looking around and saying, like, okay, well, I don't have it that bad. Exactly, or, exactly, without realizing, you know, what that person might be going through behind closed doors, right? Or yeah. realizing, okay, this person looks so amazing. They're 30, they're in a house, this, that, and the next. Or they're on honor roll, and I never get to go on honor roll we don't know what work they're doing, right? We're just going to compare ourselves to them and it's going to cause a decline in, you know, your self-esteem. It's going to cause anxiety-provoking behaviors because you're anxious, you want to be like them, you're trying to do things right. It's going to cause the depressive symptomatology because now you have low mood exactly. because you're so basically comparing yourself. And then the low mood, you're more likely to reach out for those instant gratifications exactly. and the dopamine hits, right? Exactly. So it's almost like, and I'm going to totally use a quote from um, from a Marvel um TV series I'm watching uh -huh. right now, Loki, but it's like a snake eating its tail. Yes. Where it's Wrong just like an wrong. endless loop, right? It is. Um, but, uh, yeah, gosh, it's it's like once you navigate, like, learning how to, you know, better manage and be more intentional online, then, you know, you're then able to implement delaying gratification exactly. a little bit more. But I guess it probably starts with the awareness of it does. what's actually happening in the first place, right? It does. And then the kids don't get it, right? Because research shows that, well, we all know that children are more vulnerable, right? We know that they're more impressionable. Yeah. And if you are sticking a toddler in front of a screen for more than 30 minutes a day, parents don't realize what it's actually doing. It impacts their speech. They have speech delays. It impacts their cognitive abilities. It impacts the way that they're able to perceive facial expressions because all you see is happy Miss Rachel. You don't know right, what sad looks like, right? And, you know, it impacts their ability to just how they perceive the world. And then they get the dopamine loop as well. Because when that new YouTube of Miss Rachel loads around, they're like, oh, yay. Like, you see them light up, right? And they get frustrated when it's not loading fast enough. That's that dopamine loop. You need to feel good. You need to get that new notification, see that new video in order for you to be okay and to thrive. Which is why researchers say, you know, don't put a child in front of a screen before they're 18 months. Because it's going to impact their brain development. And then it, it, the instant gratification stays with them and carries with them as they get older. Then you have kids that are now underneath the age of 10 where your ventral stratum is being activated. So that's part of the um, brain that actually 
good for social rewards and instant gratification as it is. Because like I said, instant gratification and social rewards are already a part of our natural body's makeup when it comes to yeah. development. But it's happening earlier and earlier because of the exposure to the screens because you need it. You want it when you want it, how you want it. Oh, I sound like my boyfriend. When you want it, how you want it. <laughs> yes. And, you know, uh, that's, okay. Yeah, it's a, it, it, it turns into that type of situation, right? Absolutely. And their kids, they don't realize it. And they don't. I mean, they don't have those skills to, like, be like, oh, this is what's happening, right? Exactly, uh, exactly. They probably just think their thoughts are being thought for, like, on on autopilot. Like, it's it's not not something they can control, right? Exactly. And they can't quite articulate themselves like that either, right? To say, actually, mommy, like, maybe I don't want to be on the TV anymore, but what kid's really going to say that? Nobody. So, you know, it's about, you know, teaching them other ways outside of a screen, like, it, it breaks my heart to not see kids pedal bike riding anymore. I used to love doing that after school, going yeah. from neighborhood to neighborhood and things like that. All they want to do is make TikToks Absolutely. or watch Miss Rachel. And I'm like, can we read a book? Can we build some blocks? Can we can we work on your social emotional development, please? Yes. <laughs> like and, and your um, hand eye coordination and things like yes. that. But it's not like that. And I get that. You know, it can be difficult as a parent. When you have little ones and you try and do things around your house, it's easy to just stick them in front of a screen. So I'm not saying don't do it because I'm pretty sure when I become a parent, it will happen. But have some time constraints with it, right? And make sure that it's intentional use, not just passive. And yes, Miss Rachel might be intentional for you as the adult, but for a kid, it's becoming passive. This is like the young and the restless or real housewives, you know? This is Absolutely. what they're looking forward to. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, so are there any tips for parents for... I mean, like, I, I see this all the mm-hmm. time. You know, like you mentioned, like, the instant gratification. Yeah. It's, it's ingrained in us. I mean, I'm a fitness and nutrition coach. You can only imagine the types of um, instant results Definitely. my clients come to me wanting, right? Of and, and there's that drive there. Um, are there any tips mm-hmm. that you could give to parents to help children learn how to delay gratification? You know, how to you know, get past mm. that, like, you, I mean, how to that's build a, that's patience, a sticky one. you know? I'm, I'm so, so, it's the emotional regulation, um, right. the type of parenting style that can be weaved into it, so you won't be more authoritative, not authoritarian, authoritative, according to research, is the best, because it's a healthy balance of being child-focused, but also being a parent and having boundaries and restrictions. Um, it's about the communication pieces, filling your child's cup up in a meaningful way so that they feel good about themselves offline as they do when they are online, incorporating screen time balance and making sure that they are actively involved in other activities or hobbies that don't involve the screen, right? Um, you know, set parameters and rules of how they're going to use their devices. Um, instant gratification is quite complex because as humans, we do... We yearn for it. We want it, right? We want to feel good. So it's about showing them other ways they can feel good and receive that instant gratification outside of a screen. But it, it's complicated, right? It goes yeah. back to how we're, how we're built and how we're made, unfortunately. Absolutely. And then how we, you know, that attachment piece as well because ten, most of us tend to do things to get the attention in some way, shape, or form, and that stems back to how you were as a kid, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I say it's, it, it goes deep. Right? It does like go deep. Everybody's it does. so That's why I was like, oh, crap. How do I answer this one? Because <laughs> yeah, it's not a black and white. It's not. Answer, it's really right? not. It's going to depend on each individual, right? Absolutely. And the work that you're going to do. But we can't escape instant gratification because that's the primitive drive that we have within us. And it's usually developed like around age 10. Like our brains are wired to do that. The emotional centers of our brain automatically look for social rewards and social gain. Right. I, I love what you said about... Um, 
you know, filling your child's cup up and helping them like learn how to do that. So they're mm-hmm. not looking for those exactly. rewards in maybe places that aren't as helpful. Exactly. Um, so I think that like that's what I got. Like yeah. I think the biggest impact of what you just said is, um, you know, this is something I do with my clients. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like how can you get that feeling of like self care, self love. How can you include some pockets of joy during the day for yourself so yeah. that you're not looking to you know maybe like overeat food at the end of the day exactly right um but yeah no I really really like that it um, is it's a big one and you know for us as healthcare prof- I guess you can call ourselves healthcare professionals we don't always put that time in for ourselves right so I noticed for me I can preach about self-care and balancing to everybody else but I'm on skates nine times out of ten right so I was in a workshop earlier this week for Women's Resource Center PD on trauma and how trauma impacts us as working professionals in our field. And I was talking about how I try to be the sun in my clients' lives. Because I do have tiny people and I have a lot of things going on. And she's like, you can't be the sun, Shaw. And I was like, no, I have to be. She's like, no, you don't, actually. You can equip them with the tools and you can bring some sunshine to them. But to try to be their sun, that's a big responsibility. Think about what the sun is. So then she asked me, well, what do I do to intentionally fill my own cup? And then I had to pause. And I was like, I have not in a while. And she's like, why not? In your calendar week, at least once a week, you need to dedicate some time just to yourself. And I'm like, I haven't done that. And I'm usually someone that goes to the spa probably twice a month. But I have been on stage trying to build my business and, you know, different opportunities and things like that that I haven't been filling my own cup. So the earlier that we teach our kids to fill their own cup in a meaningful way, I am big on self-care. I have a whole product line, but it's more than my bath salts and my body scrub, okay? It's about (laughs) doing something intentional. If your kid likes to read, make sure they're reading nightly because it's going to calm them, right? If they like to... They probably don't like to crochet and knit. But, you know, as an example, they might, they might. (laughs) So different things like that. If your kid loves dance, make sure that they're going to dance and that they're having a good time while they're dancing. Like, make sure that they're doing things that are meaningful to them. Mm-hmm. I really love that. And I think that can go for parents as well, right? Definitely. If you want to be able to help your children exactly. fill up their cup, you also need to be filling up Thank you. your own and cup, This right? is it. And most yeah. parents are on skates and they, they forget about themselves. And in order to be the best person that you can or best parent that you can for your kid, you have to be up as your best self. Absolutely. Well, I mean, kids don't do what you say, right? They do nope. what you do. Exactly. They mimic right. your behavior, yeah. which is why if you have a kid in an explosive household, you wonder why this child's aggressive. Well, look at how you handle things, right? Yeah. The emotional regulation. Kids are looking at all that. They learn everything through their parents and through their core, you know, family unit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I really love that. Well, Chardonnay, it has been an absolute pleasure Thank you. having you here today. Um, do you want to tell our listeners where they can find you if they want to reach out sure you can find me on simply.bloombda on instagram or www.simplybloombda.com so, yeah. awesome thank you so much for thank being you for here. having me all right have a good one you too yeah and that wraps up today's episode a big thank you to our sponsor the lindo's group of companies remember why go anyplace else i'd love to hear your thoughts on today's discussion head over to our social media pages at the royal gazette and at rg megs on both instagram and facebook and share your insights with us until next time bermuda stay healthy and stay inspired